What's up, everybody? This is Money Is Podcast, and I got an awesome episode for you to check out. This is Eric from Desert Flippers. Um, we should sit down and shoot a uh, episode with him at the Ritz Carlton. We talk; a, it's an awesome conversation, super casual. I want you to listen to it and check out some of the great input that uh, Eric had uh, from Desert Flippers on how to create wealth. It's not so much about real estate, but more about uh, so we talk about the three A's: what is your assets, your aspirations, and your audience. Understand how to use those to create wealth. It's one of the five M's called how to make money. If you follow me at all, you know I talk about the five M's of of money and wealth. This will be the very first five M. So check it out on Money Is Podcast. Hey guys, this is Andrew. And I want to talk to you about a new TV series I'm going to shoot called Built For More. And the purpose of Build for More is to bring in some experts and, and people who have mastered the game of real estate, not just from one aspect, but from all over, everything from flipping to rental properties to Airbnb to multifamilies, et cetera. Matter of fact, I'm actually standing inside of a, of a Airbnb right now owned by a good friend of mine who have already interviewed for Build for More. Uh, his name is Jesse Rodriguez. He's on a famous TV show called HGTV called Vintage Flip. And uh, Jesse is now doing a lot of Airbnb in California, as well as uh, right now we're in Palm Springs at his house right now uh, shooting this video. So Bill for More is going to be a TV series that's really there based to try to help you uh, grow your real estate career. If you're looking to try to learn how to how to either get started in it or how to pursue new, uh, what I call different board games. So you can get into different board games of real estate as well. So if you enjoy real estate, you want to learn how to use real estate to create wealth in, in your life. Just make sure you follow these TV uh, series here called Built for More. We're going to interview people like Jesse Rodriguez, Scott Yancey, Doug Clark. Uh, today, I, Actually, today I interviewed Eric Bennett from Desert Flippers and a whole list of other people that you'll probably recognize and know from famous TV shows uh, for the last probably 10 years or so. Scott McGilvery is coming up as well. Just stay tuned to this show. This show is going to help you pull back the current on how to create money using real estate on Built for More. I look forward to on this journey with you watching as we develop this show called Built for More just for you. I'm here with Eric and we're on Money Is Set here shooting uh, with Eric Bennett from Desert Flippers, HGTV show uh, where they fix and flip properties and of course a lot of other investing as well. We're going to dive into what money means to Eric and uh, what he, what's his purpose for it, what's he trying to accomplish with it, how did he make it, and we'll spend this day talking to Eric about how to create wealth in your in his life as well as your life as well. Eric, we're going to start off with uh, a couple quick, uh, easy get to know you questions uh, that allows the audience here to sort of get to know the, the people we interview here. And uh, really quick, I'm going to go through about 10 of them here with you. Uh, just to get to know you, where were you born? We were born in Madison, Wisconsin, both me and my wife, Lindsay. Give us your wife's name, Lindsay, Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay Bennett. You guys mm-hmm. been married for how long now? Uh, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. 10 years yeah. and three boys. We have three boys, right? eight, six, and four. Eight. Total handfuls, but a real blessing. And I was reading, I love your one boy's name, Roman. Uh-huh. Is that how you pronounce it too, yeah. Roman? Yeah. Where did you get that name from? Well, my grandfather's name is Dean, so the firstborn son was uh, named Dean. Dean. Yep. And then Lindsay's grandfather was, uh, they called him Romy, I think it was Romanzo or something like that. Okay. So Lindsay wants to call him Romy, and I'm like, well, we'll name him Roman. 
And then if yeah. you want to nickname Romy, that's fine. But we, we have this constant struggle, like, what's his name? I call him Roman, she calls him <laughs> Romy. But then for the third one, she'd like turn the tables on me. Okay. Because I named the third one before he was born, Theodore. So he's okay. Ted, he's Ted, he's great. Nope. Well, I stayed home with the kids and she was at the hospital having the baby with her sister. And then Graham came home. So kind of Teddy mm. Graham, she's like, yeah, it's yeah. close. I'm like, it's not the same. It's not, it's it's not a, Teddy Graham. So his name is Graham now. It was his middle name Theodore. No, nope. Just that, it's not. Nope. Just, Schneider. That's her maiden name. So it's like sent her to the hospital with a Theodore. Yeah. Came back with the Graham. Yeah. Awesome. So there you go. Solid. Yeah. So we uh, know who makes the decisions yeah. around our house. Uh, so is Lindsay gonna come to the interview today, or? I mean, that would be, that would be better, better for the better, audience. Sounds like right. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, what was your first job growing up? You grew up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Right in Madison, Wisconsin. Right. I really had two. The first one was a paper route, which was really more a job for my parents than anything okay. else. How old were you? Uh, that was about 12 years old, as right. the earliest you could right. do. And then after that, I graduated into uh, working at a grocery store. So bagging groceries, really? cashiering, uh, pushing carts. How old? Uh, I was probably 14 at that point. 14, 15 years old. Yeah, making five, six store. bucks an hour. Sweet, Meryl. I'll never forget the first day. Yeah, I'm going and just bagging groceries. Yeah. And like, have you ever seen a, a bagger get buried? <laughs> yeah, and like, all piles uh, up. Yeah, and so I left and I went home and I closed my eyes and the groceries <laughs> kept coming kept down coming. the conveyor belt at me. I couldn't get the them to stop. The out of sleep, huh? Uh, all right, here we go. Favorite candy bar? A whatchamacallit. Dude, those are so the good. A whatchamacallit is so bomb so and good. underrated, I uh, might add. People don't name it. Uniquely enough, this is weird, dude, because I love whatchamacallits. Uh... I, I love a king size, whatchamacallit. Okay. Versus the regular size. Because the regular size, both dope, you gotta try one. But the the, the regular size is a little bit skinnier. Mm -hmm. If you get a whatchamacallit king size. It's got a little bit more of the topping. Dude, it's got the, 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 the grit. The, the, yeah, the caramel topping. It's so good, man. So good, and not as easy to find. But have you seen the prices? Yeah, dude. Do you remember? They used to be we're a the quarter. same age. You're like right around 40 right. years old, right? So I'm, I'm right around your age. They used to be, do you remember going to like to Walmart when it was like three for 99 cents? Yes! Dude, you could go there buy three candy bars for yeah. 99 cents. Now they're like $1.39 right. for a candy bar. Yeah, dude. And this the, is... the most expensive thing about buying a candy bar today is the look I get from my wife. <laughs> like you're eating a candy bar, how old are you? How old are, why would you and, do this? And what? that's not part of the diet plan. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, let's see, uh, favorite, favorite book that you've read? You know, we're talking about money today. Rich Dad Poor Dad is That's the default that I always dude. go back to. It's not one. a very original How answer. How old were you when you read it? Do you remember? I had to be uh, maybe 18, 20, yeah. somewhere right around there. It's amazing. Same thing for me, bro. It's amazing how much it altered your life. Like, it was just a different way of thinking. Like we're all concept. going down the same path. We're all going down the path before that. Yeah. I mean, that's what the world is saying is yeah. to, to go down and be poor. And you're like, wait a sec. So it was a, it was a, a mind change. Did me. you, this is weird because uh, on this topic, did you mean to read that book? Meaning like when I read it, I didn't mean to read it. It was just, I was on summer break from college. I was like 18 years old or 19. And it was laying at my parents' house. And I just saw it and I'd heard about it. And so mm -hmm. I was like, oh, cool. I got nothing to do. I'm going to read the book. A lot of people have that like origin story. Yeah. Like here I was and this is what yeah, I yeah, was yeah, doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I opened the book and it shined a bright light. It's kind of glory um, came down. I don't know. You don't remember? I mean, it, my mom probably threw it at me one yeah. day, but I don't do it. You don't remember. Says. Yeah, so it wasn't that. So I don't know. I don't have that wow. story, but I just, you know, but, but then I was like the ambassador for the book. And I'm like, <laughs> everybody gets a copy. You get a copy. You get a copy. Have you ever met Kiyosaki? I haven't. I haven't met no. him. No. Cool. And I don't know. That's, 
uh, I don't want to spoil it. Like yeah. the book is perfect the way it is. Yeah. And then true. the following books or meeting him in person. That's like so I'm just true. gonna it was and like the first time I saw Russell Crowe was in Gladiator. Gladiator. I'd never seen him before. So right. he just he became Maximus. Yes. And I didn't want him to be anything else ever again. And then he did some weird stuff after that. I'm like, come on, you're ruining you're, you're it. Gladiator, yes. you're, you're so Gladiator, bro. Yeah. So Kiyosaki is right there in Rich Dad, Poor yeah. Dad. And I don't need it. I love, uh, it's funny, dude. I like uh, Gerard Butler. Yeah. When he was in 300. Sure. First movie I saw was 300. And the next movie was like a dating movie with Jennifer Aniston. And I'm mm. like, what the hell, bro? You are 300. You're Spartacus. Yeah. yeah. How could you do this to us? I got you, bro. It's He's cool. done a couple decent action films since then. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, uh, Gerard Butler's Fallen. Yeah. And, uh, but it was just like, like you say, it was the order of it. Like it was like 300 and then like, a, I think it was called like a, a got a bounty movie. Okay. They were like a, some bounty. Yeah. Oh, that was a great one too. Anyways, let's move on. Okay. Your hidden talent. If you have a hidden talent, then probably no one knows like juggling or. Well, no, I was always a sports guy. Okay. Um, I mean, my dad jokes. I mean, ever since I've had children, right? My, I, my dad jokes and puns. Solid. They are. Solid, I mean, dude. To the point where my wife is like, Eric, you gotta stop acting like a flamingo. <laughs> and she said that to me, so I had to put my foot down. Yeah, you got to. At least one of them, right? <laughs> See, these are authentic, authentic conversations about dad jokes. <laughs> do you wanna hear my new pizza joke? Yes, let's do it. Never mind. No. Nope. Too cheesy. Too cheesy. Damn it. So good. <laughs> no meat to the joke, though. No meat to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you collect anything? Oh, good question. Uh, okay. So off the record. Okay. Of course, we're on the record. On the record, off the record. My kids and I play Pokemon Go. I heard about and this, And we bro. started like three years late. This. Three years late to the party. All the and digital version, right? You play the digital? Yeah. Okay. Well, the idea was that we would be together. We would go for a walk, get some exercise, yeah. play the game, whatever. And um, near our house, the the stops that you're supposed to go to that were nearby, right in the middle of the cemetery. Creepy. And, and I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, but run along, kids. <laughs> and I didn't. I, I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I actually drove them in, which defeats the purpose. And we go into the cemetery. There are six coyotes in the cemetery, like waiting to eat my children. Yeah. And so I didn't let that happen. Great, great activity for children. Yeah, hang out. This day. I mean, <laughs> as a kid, did you ever play Ghost in the Graveyard or any of those yeah. like, yeah. yeah so you can do ones. it in a real graveyard. Right. You're willing to trespass. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we don't promote. No, not at all. But you could do. Uh, Pokemon Go. Dude, that's crazy. I heard about that. And I, I but the, the, the story that I heard was that you really, it was, it was a, more of a thing that you were using to bond with your boys. That, that, the idea was that we would bond and like go for walks Exercise. together, et cetera. Yeah. And now we're just driving around. <laughs> <laughs> Collecting them. In the car and like, yeah. Now, did you, as a kid, did you collect baseball cards? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like the new thing, right? Like the Pokemon Go. I mean, you don't do the cards now. They don't no, do they, them now. No, the today. kids do. They do? They like, I, we have an allowance set up yeah. at home where like they do their chores and they get paid for it. And then they buy the cards and they get all excited. And then two seconds later, their friends are like, Pokemon cards suck. And so then they're just like, oh, you can have them. And they just like, give them away. <laughs> and then a week later, they're like, we want to spend our money on cards again. I'm like, no. So like the, the root of my desire to teach people about finance yes. is, is coming from my kids wasting money on Pokemon cards. <laughs> Solid. I love it. Uh, people favorite... get motivation from all over the place. <laughs> favorite sports team? 
Oh, the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, because so. you're from Wisconsin. Yeah, right. Are now, you a uh, uh, Badger fan too? Badger fan too. Badger and Green Some Bay. Some of our best friends, for whatever reason, are Michigan Wolverine fans, who are bitter rival on yeah. Saturdays. Yeah. And then Green Bay Packer fans on Sunday. Right. So like we hate them on Saturday. Yeah. And then have them over. And, and then have, have them over on Sunday. On Sunday. That's, yeah. that's cool, dude. And uh, uh, I was watching, uh, um, I'm a huge college football fan. And Wisconsin was those teams that, uh, what was that coach? He left. He was so good. Barry Alvarez. Uh, and yeah, Barry. after him. Uh, he okay. was, I liked him a lot. So he was then a big it was, 10. It was a bigger guy. He went, he went to Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you liked him? Nobody liked him. Nobody in Wisconsin liked him. Mm-hmm. I just thought in the Big Ten atmosphere, because I'm an SEC fan, sure. okay, from the South. So, of course, we're SEC. And uh, uh, I just thought he was, God, what is that guy's name? It's driving me crazy. Uh, to me, he was like the the quintessential Big Ten coach. Sure. In my mind, like when I thought Big Ten football, but now, no, that's the Brown. I think he used to be a big offensive lineman. That's probably what you yeah, think. Yeah, probably that's what it is. Big offensive maybe lineman in the Big Ten. He went to Arkansas and like, I think it was Arkansas. Yeah, it was Arkansas. That's right. And destroyed it. Like, I can't like, remember his name. He got let go like yeah, quick. All right, so Big Ten fan. Are you a Big Ten fan in general? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, okay, this is a good one, man. If they made a move your life, who would you want to play you? Ooh. Okay, so. <laughs> you thought about it, I can tell. Chris Pratt is the answer, Oh, God, right? Chris Pratt. Okay, so he's kind of got the ginger look well, going. He's a little broader than I am. But the scene where he and Thor are like, okay. he, he's trying to talk like Thor and like man oh, yeah, up yeah, against yeah, Thor, yeah, yeah. which is hilarious because I kind of relate to Chris Pratt. And my wife, Lindsay, has a crush on Chris Who does? I so do. this is like me like confronting my... So I say that to people. I'm like, yeah, Chris Pratt, don't you think? They're like, you're more Jesse from Modern Family. Oh, gosh, that's so good, dude. <laughs> and then my that's ego so goes like, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm a superhero. I'm, yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, nope. Modern Family. Jesse. Yeah. What about... Uh, and you're at Chris Pratt. It was funny. My birthday was a couple days ago, and we sort of played a game like this. Who would play? And someone chose Chris Pratt for me. Nice. But it was Parks and Rec Chris Pratt. Oh, not nice. <laughs> That's not the same. No, like if it was the, the, the really Chris good Pratt. Chris Pratt's. No, yes. And I was really excited when they named Chris Pratt, and then it was like Parks and Rec. I was like, shit. That's, <laughs> he's not very smart. I'm more like Emmett from Lego Movie, Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, this one you may, may not have an answer for. If you had to. What's your order at McDonald's? First of all, do you eat McDonald's? I don't eat McDonald's very much. Yeah. I used to. Okay. You could talk about inflation if you want to spin this back to money. The two cheeseburger meal used to be yes. two ninety nine. Money. Dude. Now it's like a thousand dollars. And I don't know what they're putting in the beef, but that's. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a lot. So, some serious meat there. Um, let me think about that. I mean, I don't do anything fancy. I'm gonna have the fries. Like, if you're off the diet and you're doing a cheat meal, you're going to eat yeah. the fries. And then uh, I'm a little lower carb, so maybe like a double, triple, quadruple cheeseburger. So good. I'm thinking in and out We have in and out yeah, here. Yeah, in and out which you and can double, you can double, order double, that whatever you want. Oh, no. Quad, there, you can do whatever four, you want. Right? You, can call, you can do a four by eight. Yeah. That, then that sounds two good. Two by four. Yeah, then Lindsay good. thinks I'm working on a house. I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> I got to stop and get two some by two four. by fours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, last two here. What's your favorite holiday? We love Christmas. Yeah, Christmas family. Yeah. With the boys now, especially, yeah. right? And it's crazy people hear that we put our Christmas tree outside. Okay. Because it, it's the best weather on earth. That's true. 
around Christmas time. You're right here. So we're, we're outside doing the Christmas thing. Like, imagine it's Christmas morning oh and you God, think dude. it's going to be like a white Christmas you're outside and it's yeah. snowing, whatever. No, I'm in swim trunks. Don't Hot. visualize it, but like no shirt. Yeah. And uh, show the audience what you mean by that. That's there's episodes of Desert <laughs> Flippers where I'm topless. So if you really want to research yeah, it, feel research, free. Google that. Yeah. Uh, very close to Christmas and a Christmas tree outside. Mm -hmm. That's a unique fact. And the last one, favorite Christmas movie. There's some good ones, bro. There are so many. There are so good many good ones. Okay, so Daddy's Home 2. That's a new one that just got Daddy's out. Like Daddy's Home 2. It was out last year. We probably watched it 15 and times. I didn't know that it was a Christmas movie. Neither did Daddy I. I just thought it was a sequel. Daddy's Home 1 was, was not. not, right? No. Yeah. Just Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Yep. Daddy's Home 2 was all Christmas. I found myself this this season watching that. Yeah. Laughing hysterically. Yeah. There's some... When Will, Will Ferrell does some funny stuff in that movie, dude. So there's... There's some physical comedy where he like Will Ferrell's yeah. knocked around, which my little kid loves. Yeah. But the scene about the child messing with the thermostat and all of the dads <laughs> coming together, like the thermostat is a sacred covenant. It's a sacred, yeah, yeah. I mean, it resonated to me on so many levels because I'm that guy at our house. We Don't have solar on our you. house, yeah. but I'm still the guy walking down the hall, <laughs> turning off the lights, turning off the fan, who left the door open. Yeah. Because when you talk about money, yep. It comes down to everything, big things, little things, and kids need to know if they're leaving a light on for an extended period of time, that costs money. Did and you grow up on a transition here, off of funny and serious, because you made, you made a great transition there. Did you grow up in a household where, like my dad used to say it to me all the time, like lights on, fan on, who left the air, who's who, who's who's cooling the entire neighborhood outside, yep, on, right? Yep. Uh, did you grow up in a house like that, where that was like those common statements of, was that a common thing for you? Yeah, it was always something that would be pointed out to yeah. us. But I mean, as a kid, you don't really mm -hmm. comprehend it. You're not watching the bill come in. And when it comes in, you don't really understand how much you have to work in order to right. make that happen. But where it really sunk in for me as a kid is when we would have nights in the summer where my dad would not turn on the air conditioning. I had so to, it's- My dad pulled the, uh, my dad used to go to work in the, uh, like a second shift job. I already know where you're going with this. And because <laughs> my mom, Diffused? yes, my mom, <laughs> he would have it off, and my dad would like run fans and wear shorts if you're hot, like just yeah, shorts and fans, the sprinkler, yes, you're not you a sprinkler go outside, outside and run inside, yeah. right? And my dad would go to work, and then after a month, he'd get the bill, and he was like, "How is our power bill five hundred dollars?" Because my mom was turning the AC as soon as he left, dude. It was like my mom was like, "Turn the AC up, right?" And then my dad started pulling the breaker, dude, from the actual thing where we couldn't even turn on. That's what type of house I grew up in. It was talking about money and managing of money. Dude, it was like tight. Squeeze yeah. it as hard as you can. You know what well, I mean? and when you work hard to accumulate money and you're trying to manage it and, and put together your plan, yeah. one of the things you're trying to do is isolate yourself from an unexpected $500 AC bill. Yeah. Because as soon as things are outside of control, like then not only are you working to make money, you've got to figure out how to plug those holes to prevent stuff from taking you off the tracks. Yeah, I love it. So let me shift gears here. In, in class, I talk a lot about what I call the five M's of money, right? So we talk about uh, on what you're hitting right now, which is managing money. Mm -hmm. how, how do you properly, because if you just make it and don't keep any of it, it's kind of worthless. You're spending everything you make, managing money. We talk about movement of money, that move, money has to constantly move basically. When, when you have money sitting still, it's basically dying, right? You have inflation, everything attacking it. We talk about uh, the metrics of money. How do you gauge 
if you're really successful at what you're doing. I mean, where did you start from? You know, some people started at the very, very bottom and some people started with the parents who are already doing successful stuff, right? Metrics of money. We talk about making money. Uh, how do you make money and, and where do you put it in? And we talk about the mission of money, right? So what's your main purpose with money, right? When I looked at your life, and, and, and I know you got these three awesome seasons on, on some beautiful fix and flips uh, in this area here. The one M that to me stands out that I like to talk to you about is making money. And to me, when I, when I talk about making money, I put it into three simple categories, right? I talk about the, your assets, your aspirations, and your audience. And when I look and I've read everything on you on Wikipedia and everything out there. I feel like you've crushed those three things right there. And I want to talk a little bit about them, get your input on them. We talk about making money, if we talk about assets first, um, they're soft and hard assets, right? Uh, hard assets are those investments, right? Real estate, stocks, precious metals, whatever it is that, that, that you like, right? Obviously for you, you have like mastered the game of real estate. You have taken that to a whole nother level where people follow you and copy what you do, right? Talk to us about flipping houses, when it comes to making money and the assets behind it, is flipping houses your favorite asset or are there other assets that you like besides uh, real estate itself or is real estate your main asset? Well, real estate is my wheelhouse. It's something that's always been very close to my heart, both because my mom was in the game. Interesting. I've watched a lot of people in my family kind of like skirt around success, mm -hmm. like be near it, but never really uh, achieve it. And then talking about metrics, ironically, uh, I'm teaching a, a financial workshop right now on very remedial, like get out of debt type stuff. And I joked last night that an amortization schedule is yeah. about the most boring thing on earth. Yeah, Three, until, 360 months of it. Until it's your mortgage. Yeah. And then you're looking at it saying, well, wait a minute, if I apply additional principles here, like the measuring of something, a tool like an amortization schedule, is all of a sudden it comes to life when it's yours. Yeah. And so when we're taking a look at analyzing different sorts of investments and stuff, um, I really like, let's say, because what it can do for me. When I was very young, I downloaded uh, on Microsoft Excel a okay. net worth sheet. Wow. And I have done it almost every month wow. for the past 12 years. Dude, this is brilliant and, stuff. And, and, well, and it's a very basic thing, but when you realize like, if I buy a car, it goes on the asset size here, but the loan goes over here, and then the next month that car dropped in value, but the, the payment on it or the, you the principal used to, Yeah, and then you start saying, well, what if I make this action, this is how it changes my net worth sheet. And so slowly over time, it changed the way that I made decisions. But to circle back to flips, when I did a flip, I would watch the graph of the net worth sheet. Yeah. And every time there was a spike, your brain would think that's when I sold the property. Okay. It's not the case. It's when I bought a property for less than it was, or I paid less, less than what it's worth. Yeah. So the net worth sheet would spike every time I bought a property at a good price. And ironically, it comes down a little bit when you have to pay commissions and closing costs when you sell something. But yeah, what on the net worth sheet on the net on the net worth yes, sheet because you had those expenses. But that now. was my gauge. I never yeah. really did a budget. We've started doing a budget recently, um, just to analyze what we're doing, track it a little yeah. bit better. But the net worth sheet was always what I was doing. It was it going to go on the left side as an wow. asset or the right side as as a liability? Where's it going to go? And then I was watching the grid. And ironically, what I was saying to myself is this ridiculously lofty goal. 
was I was gonna save $10,000 a month until I hit a million dollars. So there's this baseline. This was your goal. That was the goal. Okay. And needless to say, we absolutely destroyed it. Like wow. we have been on a pace of saving more than that every single month for like 12 years. Crazy. The numbers are ridiculous I, just I, knowing where it's going. But flips have given us those chunks of money. So I can either take the chunk of money and put it in the war chest, or we've taken chunks of money and put it into rental real estate, yeah. which I also really love. Um, and then of late, we've been taking some cash and diversifying further with dividend producing, like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. It's crazy because there's so many points you made there. I'm gonna try to keep up because you made some awesome. Sorry, that was like awesome right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, there. dude, that was. So uh, let me let me start with once you talked about metrics. You hit that one. I I when I talk about it in te- Europe, you come from the mortgage industry, the mortgage world as well, right? Uh, you're still a mortgage licensed uh, yeah. broker or agent, yeah. right? Okay, so when I look at the mortgage and the amortization chart, right, when I'm teaching in class, I talk to him about what we're sort of told. I talk about there's two different sides, right? There, you have what's called contributors and creators, right? Contributors are those that work jobs, et cetera. Nothing wrong with it. There's nothing bad with this. Creators are a lot of times what we're trying to accomplish. Like we want to create wealth and money and so forth, right? It's not right or wrong. It's just which game you want to play, sure. right? Everybody's different. Um, but uniquely enough, on the creator side, it's where all the sort of money is coming from and made, basically, right? They're the ones that are creating the wealth or creating the money. When you look at the amortization calculator and, or the amortization uh, chart on a house, 30-year fixed mortgage, I've noticed this thing where they say you'll hear the creators, the banks, will say, uh, hey, you're making it, you're only going to pay 4.5% interest or you're paying 4.25, whatever it is right now, right? But in reality, and then what happens is this person walks around and says, they'll tell their friends and family, oh my God, I bought a new house, it's great. I'm only paying 4.25% interest. But in reality, because most people move out within five to seven years, that's when they either sell or refinance, right? They're not really paying 4.5% interest. Because 4.5% interest, yes, that's their overall, meaning they would be paying 4.5% when it equals 4.5% interest is the final payment. Month 360, 30 years in the road, it equals 4.5%. But if you look at month one, using what you're talking about, the amortization calculator or a chart, that's not, that that doesn't equal 4.5% interest on their money. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Meaning, meaning because $3,000 payment, 2,185 is freaking interest. Yeah, it's like 100% interest. It's crazy when you start thinking about it. In those first five years, it's like, okay, if you really did the math on it, you're actually paying like 18% interest or something. An astronaut, an amount that if I said, you should buy a house and pay 18%, you would, people would throw tomatoes at me. But in reality, without understanding the metrics of money, that's what you're doing. Well, there's a lot of bait and switch advertising like that. I mean, technically a mortgage is advertised for what it is, but people don't understand the the difference between that first payment and the last payment. But there's a pawn shop out here, okay? okay? And they advertise the 1% loan. <laughs> Have you seen this? I know you're going And with, I yeah. look at it and I'm like, how on earth could they make any money? As I'm trying to, you know, help people get into mortgages right. at three and a half, four and a half percent. I'm like, how is a pawn shop doing 1%? Oh, it's monthly. Yeah. 1%. That is not 1%. That is not 1% <laughs> annually. But it took me like a good 10 minutes. Like, how? how Where are they getting this money that? from? But yeah. you shouldn't be in a mortgage or a pawn deal or whatever if you don't understand, one, how it works, but second, how it impacts you. Right. 
And so I've kept things relatively simple in my life. A fix and flip, relatively simple. Rental, real estate, relatively simple. Dividend producing ETFs, it is pretty simple. Like it doesn't need to be this elaborate. Overcomplicated. You know, stick with what works. You talked about, next point here, you talked about in the assets, you talked about um, flipping houses. And I loved your point where you flip this house and you put this money, you, you have it basically in your war chest. And from there, you can move it into whatever direction you want to move it to. And I love looking at flipping houses as like a, uh, an engine. And I always say I have like two. Like I always think of Mitsumiyagi when, as a kid, karate kid. Yeah. And one would be flipping houses, which created a, a lot of capital for me, war chest money. Mm -hmm. And I would take this war chest money, and like you said, now you go buy cash flow with it. And your your newly created cash from the flip is what's buying your actual rental properties. And you have these two like machines that start running wide open, which explodes your growth versus the approach, not against it, but the approach of buy one rental property uh, and then two years later, buy one more rental property and take a 30 year mortgage, all this different stuff. A lot of positive to it. But, but eventually you run out of down payments. Down payments take forever to get, right? You gotta have um, reserves and all this money set aside. Where when I flip properties, it creates this new money. And you begin to, I use the terminology, you're, I know you're close to Vegas from here. I don't know if you go to Vegas a lot, but uh, house money. Yeah. Or in Vegas when you're playing blackjack and you, you start with a hundred bucks, you win a hundred bucks, you put it back in your pocket, mm -hmm. and now you're playing with house money. Do you use that same philosophy when you do, like when you think war chess and fix and flips, is it, a, is, it a, is it a machine that's giving you the ability to go do more with it? Oh yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not much of a gambler, which yeah. I think people think is weird. So, what do you mean? You're like, it's real estate speculating. Speculating is totally different, yeah, totally different concept, than, than gambling. And <laughs> Lindsay would like me, my wife Lindsay would rather I'm um, like, hey, we won, let's go celebrate, let's take a vacation. But it's like, once it's in the war chest, <laughs> it stays in the war chest. He's like, keep that it right she. here, yeah. But uh, it's given us the opportunity to diversify. Yeah. And that's something that is really great. Like you can subscribe to the old, like invest in a 401k and build it up and do all of that stuff and you'll be fine. And it's like, all right, I'm actually gonna do that because I can, Right. but I'm never gonna use that money. Right. Like yeah. I'm gonna have rental real estate as like the way it's gonna go. Yeah. And if I need to fall back on the 401k thing, then I will. But it's like a belt and suspenders approach. I've got oh, both good. Good. things going on yeah. at the same time. And but but flips, we went from our first flip, we made a little bit of money, the second flip we made some more, and the third we just destroyed it. Yeah. Like it was all of the studying and learning that we had done. And all of a sudden we had this war chest. We're like, all right, let's what, get crazy. What, what do you do now with it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about done assets, one more little piece of it. That was a lot of the hard assets. The other piece of assets I like to talk about is soft assets, meaning education, right? Value, um, learning, school, um, YouTube, whatever it is, right? What do you see for in your life? What was a lot of the training, education? Did you go through anything like that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I went through, <clears throat> so my, my degree is in communication, okay? Double major Spanish, but let's wow. just not Double go there. major. Yeah, let's not go there. But what communication allowed me to do is ask like probing questions. Okay. And so as I started analyzing real estate deals, I was looking at things from different perspectives. Right. And so it was kind of a school of hard knocks, but what I was very, very careful to do is that as we got into flipping, I was 
reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. I was reading additional books all about real estate and flipping, talking to everybody I could. My mom was yeah. in the real estate business. My aunt and uncle were real estate millionaires. Um, like trying to gather as much information I could because some of the best advice I can give to people is don't screw up that first deal. Right. Like if you're trying to use hard assets to advance your finances, get you ahead, you need to make sure you don't screw up the first deal. It's like touching the hot stove. You burn your hand, you're don't not going back. And, and, and re- I'm so passionate about real estate. For somebody to have a bad first investment or first experience with real estate and then say, I'm never going back there, you're gonna have a hard time getting ahead financially if real estate's not in the cart. Right. So learning as much and having the support and tools to analyze deals is the stuff that took me from somebody who is heavily in debt to flipping my way out of it and then growing well. And the most important thing that happened with us is our third flip had 34 offers on the table. That when you bought it. In order to win, we had to beat out 33 other people. We paid double the list price to acquire the property. Double. Double. Twice. The list price. Yeah. Technically, it was listed at $199, and we paid $353. Wow. So almost double to get the property. But what we knew that nobody else did is the lot could be split. Yeah. So we flipped the house, made a fortune on that, sold the lot, made even more on that. And that was the deal that took us from like, all right, we're gonna be very conservative, do one deal at a time until we can launch ourselves. That deal took us from amateur to professional. And it was the, the, the research and reading that I had done. It was the ability to go and ask the right questions at the building department yep, and, yep. and, and with uh, the county assessor, knowing that I could split that off. And 33 other people missed out on what'll probably be the best flip I've ever done. Still to the day. Yeah, Still oh, no question. Flip. It's amazing how much in, in, in money, in real estate, in money, I don't feel like it ever stops. Like I'm 16 years into real estate now, which is like 16 years into, I'm gonna say money as well. How, how many years have you been doing real estate now? Uh, I'm pretty close to the same. Yeah, yeah, we've been out here for 13 years in the desert and I had two or three years in Wisconsin before, before that, that. right? Yeah, so 16 years into it, 50, whatever the number is for both of us. It's just amazing because even today, I'm still learning before this, we were behind the scenes of this. We were talking about learning multifamily. Yeah. Like understanding. Multifamily and tax lien. Yeah, like like talking about new stuff. And it's amazing because anytime I get around another investor, in a polite way, I'm trying to get what they know. Yeah. Because if I can capture what you know, well, maybe I can go apply this stuff. And it's a constant conversation. And I think a lot of times, a lot of it is just having the conversation. You, you remember the point that you talked to, you just started talking to people, your mom and uncles, I'm sure you went to probably networking clubs and, yep. and all kinds of stuff, just trying to ask the right questions. You know, cool, cool part about it is with your communication degree, you're probably in more of an expert at asking those right questions, probing, right? You're probably a more way more advanced than I was. I was asking, you know, I don't know, weird, dumb I was maybe. the same way too. It, you know, the first time somebody's like, yeah, I made a hundred grand on a flip and you're like, can I get in on the next deal with you? <laughs> like, 
I don't know. I didn't find the deal and yeah. I don't have any money. But I, have, like, I know nothing about it. <laughs> right. But I'd like, I was that guy too. Yeah. I, I would like to deal. partner with you. Yeah. I <laughs> like, offer you nothing. I will bring nothing to the table, but leave with half. <laughs> but, but one of the beautiful things about investing in real estate yeah. is that people are open. I mean, for the most part, people are open and transparent with what they do. Cause like you would like to invest in Florida and Indiana yeah. and probably where other deals pop up. I don't see that as a threat to me here in Southern yeah. California. Wisconsin and Idaho, which are my three territories. So I'll tell you everything. And in exchange, I hope you share a couple things with me. And so that's what we do. And part of it's a scarcity mindset uh, right. versus an abundance mindset. And I think the more you get out there, I know deals are hard to come by, but they're out, they are out there. They're not, it's not that they're not out there. And I think a lot of times in an in investing world, especially newbies getting started, have that scarcity mindset on everything. Like people getting cla- always ask me class like, why do you share all this data and all this information? It's like, bro, there, it's, there's plenty of room. Yeah. Like, the water's fine. There's lots of lots of wiggle room over here. I'm not saying there's not hard parts to it, but I think a lot of it's just the scarcity mindset sometimes people have that prevents them from doing anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, all right, so that's assets. Let's move on here. We talk, we talk about making money. Uh, I'll talk about aspirations. What I want to know here is, to me, when I see people that have, have had the success that you've had, there's something that drives you. There's something that freaking moves you. Uh, what part, without getting into too much of your personal life, what could you share with us that is that aspiration that's helped you make money, that that drives you um, to do so much? I mean, mortgage, real estate, real estate in three separate states, different types of deals. That's a, that, There's something driving you. What do you feel like it is? So uh, I think early on it was, um, it was more fear and um and frustration all right because like growing up we didn't have a a, a ton right right? and i got to the point where i saw a lot of relationships including my parents fall apart because of i mean for one reason not enough finances a lot of mouths to feed and and it caused so much strain on everything it really did and so i was like well i think that i can control that i think that i can apply myself and I'm, I'm blessed enough and smart enough that I'm going to make sure that I'm successful enough that finances never become the problem. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean you're never going to have problems or you're never going to go through divorce or never whatever. But I was driven by that to get started. And that took me all the way through college. And then after college, I didn't do squat. Like I could not find a good job. I was, you know, bouncing around. I'm like, well, this, this is not good. Like I thought I was going down the right path and I I definitely wasn't. So then I started doing additional learning and talking to people and reading Rich Dad Poor Dad and other similar books and trying to absorb and say, the the path I was on was not working. I need to go somewhere else. And then I was driven. And then when I started doing the net worth sheet where I was tracking where things were going and what an asset does over here and a liability over here and cash flow and analyzing all of that, then it became a video game. Yeah. And I was game. going for a high score. Yep. And there were times where Lindsay says to me, you know, why don't you quit one of the jobs? Or we don't need to take on that project. No, we don't. But if you're keeping score. Uh, on the score tab. <laughs> right. It says if I put this property on this side of the net worth sheet, then I get, yeah, I get like the cherry from Pac-Man pops yep. up. And um, so then it's just how well can I play the game? So it has been a very wild ride. We've been going very quickly, all from working all of our jobs and investments and everything else, and then throwing the HGTV show on top of it. And now I'm blessed with the opportunity to maybe throttle back a little bit and spend a ton of time with my family. 
Yeah. So we're taking an RV. We leave on Sunday. Yeah. And we're going all the way back to Wisconsin an entire month. We're just going to go, just us, the family, and an RV. And, and I can do that. That'll be 15 days of driving and mm-hmm. then 15 days of driving back, pretty basically, because that's a long drive. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So you, I love the story, bro. So so you hit, so let, 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 let's recap it here. It started out, what was driving you was fear. Yeah. That's what was motivating you of and, and a little bit of fear of failure. If I, if I was right. the story, it was the fear of failure that was driving you right there. You go through college and uh, failure actually starts to set in a little bit because there wasn't a job. Right. Even though it was driving you, failure starts to creep in in the industry of job as life and, and, and so forth. Uh, you make the shift into real estate, finances, et cetera. At that moment, moment once you hit those first couple deals, it goes all into a game, a video game for you. This is where there's one ingredient there that I don't want to leave out to the viewers is to have a video game mentality of if I do this, it goes here. If I do this, it goes here. That means that you'd have to have a lot of competitive competitiveness inside of you. Are you a competitive person? I've always been an athlete, so I like to compete, but it's never been a spot where like, I'm gonna win by pushing other people yeah, back yeah, or yeah. pushing people it down to get up to the way, top. Bro. It's never been like that. It's been I understand the rules of the game. Yep. Especially if you go back to like my days as a kid, video games very basic. Yeah. Like you Mario turn Brothers. right here, you yeah, turn left here. Yeah. Like Zelda, There's stuff no like 4D that. No, just like virtual reality. Easy yeah. rules. And so when you understand the rules of this game, the the, the finance yeah. game, the real estate game, then you're looking to say, well, as long as I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play it to the best of my abilities. I'm gonna put my best skills in, my best negotiation, my best like bringing in Lindsay. And I mean, Lindsay's never had a design background. Right. I mean, she's just somebody that comes in, works really hard and has blossomed into a professional designer. I mean, she's, she's absolutely incredible, but it really came down to, if I'm going to participate and play the game, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. It's like it's like in sports. You thought about your athlete growing up in sports. Is it in football? Did you play football? Yeah. You're not going out there to tackle the person in his kneecap for the reason to tear his ACL right. so that you can win the game that day. Right. But when you walked on the field, I, and I played it, uh, uh, tackle football through high school, I and, and I was playing wide open to the best that I could play, which was not any levels of greatness, by sure. the way, but it was to win. Yeah. I, I was big in baseball and every game was for one reason, to win. But I wasn't gonna beam the other kid in the head with a baseball to win. That's what you're talking about in, in real estate, in money, life. It's not about it's not about pushing someone else down, which I think so many people look at that as that cutthroat business mentality. And again, it goes back to the abundance. To me, it goes back to the abundance mentality, right? That, that of, of winning. Yeah, so I think the fear that drove you, looking back at aspirations, you said fear, uh, and then it was com- the game of it, the competitiveness of it, and then which led into maybe the family yeah. side of it, right? Which is now is this thing of, use the word throttling back some, but dude, how crazy is it that at our age, uh, you got three boys and you're gonna take a month off. Yeah. Most people don't take a month off at 65. Right. They don't take a month off, man. Well, and it gets to the point where when you're doing deals and you're building well and you've got some momentum, it tends to accelerate. Yeah. You know, as soon as people find out that you're the guy that knows how to do flips, people who don't understand how to do flips sure. start telling you about it. Like, I get deals handed to me on a silver platter just because people don't have the education 
or or the support or the backup to know, well, this is a good deal. You should do it. They're like, no, I, I'm I'm scared. I don't know how. Here's a deal where you can make 50 grand or make make a Whatever good paycheck like right on the spot. So I can do stuff like that. But when you accelerate, then you start to take on additional staff. Yeah. So I've got business partners on my loan side, the real estate side, the flipping side. I've got property managers. So I can go away for a month if I want to, That's pick awesome. up my phone once in a while, and everything's on autopilot. So it feels like throttling back because I'm not scouring for right. deals and doing, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, in it. Um, but it, it could be a banner month for us. Might be. I was about to say, as you were talking, I don't like, want it to be. Right. I don't want right, it to be a banner yeah. month because then everybody's <laughs> like, go again, get out of here. Leave your own business. Right. I, I was, I was, as you were listening, th- uh, talking there, I was thinking to myself, I want to follow up with you when you get back. And I want to see what happened in that month right there. Like, I, so I've read a lot of stuff about sabbaticals. Successful people find actually more success when they can take a month off of really nothing, as much as possible, nothing. But right? when you drop a vacation, is it three boys under eight in an RV? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I may be insane here. Right, when you really think about it. We're yeah. talking about Hawaii, you and the wife for a month. But, but the, the point is, because part of it is they say that um, to get to that month, you naturally had to go through a lot of extra planning mm-hmm. and looking ahead to get your business ready for you to walk away from it, which then in return makes your business grow because you're putting this extra work of you, of preparation with you not there, which you normally wouldn't have done. Right. And then they say that while you're gone, you will actually find the strengths and weaknesses of your own business. I'm really excited to see, dude, what happens. Is this the first time you've done something like this where a month Oh, off? sure. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm terrible be, at going on vacation. Yeah, this is going to be It's going to be exciting, bro. I want to yeah. know, because I've read so much about the value of business owners taking time off. Not a vacation of a week, but like straight up time off. Yeah. And and again, the, the before, during, and after of what you see about it. Uh, and then you have that fear of, shit, is this a banner month? Is, does it actually, which is, which is really a good compliment for you. If it is a banner month, right? It's not a bad, but we, we from the ego side, of it, we don't want it to be, but, but really it's like, shit, dude, we crushed it when I'm not here. And it allows you to even grow up more because then you can say, well, what if I hire two more of these or three more of these, right? To grow up. Awesome. But what you're talking about leading up to it is you're trying to figure out how you can make things more efficient when you're gone. And you're working on systems and efficiencies and synergies where it's like, all right, I'm not going to be here. So it needs to be like this. It should have been like that the whole time. Yeah. And you have extra meetings that you wouldn't have had talking to people. We have to solve this and this so that when I'm gone, it runs like this. And that's what they say. It actually, it actually has, you'll see looking back these uh, growth spurts, weird business when you were actually weren't there. Yeah. Uh, it's unique. So I'm excited to see that. Okay. Last thing here on making money. We talked about, we've talked about assets. We've talked about aspirations. Last thing here is talking about your audience, right? I think to be successful at making money, you have to understand who your customer is, right? Who are who are you selling this to? Whatever product for you, it was uh, uh, flips, which means homeowners, or you have rental properties. It would be tenants. It's it's the ability to master your audience or your, or your customer. What could what could you tell us about your how you sort of mastered that customer over time from when you did your very first flip of what you put in the house, right? How you showed the property or listed it or whatever it was into now how you do it. So. Interesting question, because I have uh, a part of this audience thing down to a science, Okay, right? 
So my first couple rental properties back in Wisconsin, I can tell you the story of the tenant and I haven't even <laughs> met them yet, okay? Yeah, yeah. So we would typically have a minimum three bedroom house okay. in a good school district with a fenced backyard. Fenced backyard. That's what I need. That was your criteria. I needed that, but the reason I needed that is because you would get a young couple or a young single person, they would get a dog, and then the landlord of their apartment building where they're living says, get that dog and get out. Right, get no, no pets allowed. And they wanna be in the right school district, so they need to find an affordable single family house that'll allow dogs, three bedrooms, fenced backyard. Money. And I just start, and that's what I've got. And I've got tenants that usually what happens is when you get them that young, you'll have a family that moves in for the school district sometimes before the child or children are even old enough to be in the school district. Interesting. And then once they're in the school district, they don't want to move. And I keep my rents just a little bit below market sometimes. And so I've had tenants for 10 years. I'm 40 wow. years old. I've had tenants for 10 years. I was going to ask you that. I'm glad you said it. So you've had tenants for 10, 10 years. years. And, and those are the ones we were talking about earlier. I've got on a 15 year fix. Wow. They're, they're cash flowing or breaking even on a 15 yeah, sure. year fix. They've been there 10 they're years. They're literally paying, buying a house for Eric and his family. Yeah. Eric, Lindsay, and his three boys. Yeah. If you stop to think about the rental side of it and how that kind of works, where you had a brilliant approach of you weren't trying to make <laughs> cash flow of 200 bucks or 300 bucks that month. If I understand a lot of what you were doing was really you wanted to buy these three bedroom, two bath, great areas. You were very specific with where you wanted it, fenced in backyard. You knew your customer, and then you had a purpose for that house. Meaning your plan was 15 year mortgage. I'm gonna pay more for it, that means, per month. I'm not gonna make the two to $300 a month right now. But in 15 years, this person will pay his house off and my cash flow will go from, I'm gonna make it the number zero to 2,000. Sure. And someone else did it for you. Yeah. Paid it for you. Yeah. Crazy. So the, the, I've got two houses. Well, right. I've got a bunch of houses. But in this one neighborhood, the, the very first house I ever bought is right here. I actually bought the house behind it. Okay. So they share a fence. Okay. And keep an eye on each other, <laughs> right? And I bought that house. I put the money to renovate it. I did a cash out refinance. Yeah. Took all the money I'd put into it plus 10 grand. Right. Profit. Put that in my pocket. All right. It has cash flowed on a 15 year fixed ever since. I probably haven't had more than a month of vacancy in the last eight years. Crazy. And it'll be paid off in 15. So literally, you can't calculate the return on investment because it's more than infinite. I've got 10 grand in my pocket. Yes, it's, it's still it's infinite. Not even infinite. Yeah. yeah. That's so, so there's a strategy I talk about in class sometimes called Burr. Have you heard of the, it's exactly what you did. It's okay. funny, I had the same conversation with Jesse Rodriguez. We were all sitting down one day and it was me, him, one of the guy, uh, Mike, and we were all talking about how we do rental properties. And we all came up with this idea by ourselves. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we invented, and, it, and as we started getting into it, uh, this word came up called Burr. And it just stands for buy, renovate, uh, buy, renovate, rent, rent, uh, there's one more. There's Resell, like four. Uh, buy, refinance, renovate, uh, rent, refinance, refinance, repeat. That's too many R's. That's a lot. They call it Burr. I was yeah. okay with like three R's. Yeah. And, four. and then repeat was repeat. Last mean repeat it. Do you, you have, have to rinse? rinse? Like rinse, rinse and repeat, and then repeat it. Okay, no. got it. So because it was really what, what you were doing as well. You bought yeah. the house, you renovated it, fixed it up to whatever level yep. you wanted. You put a tenant inside of it, right? Yep. Rented it out. Yep. You refinanced it, took all your cash back out because you forced that equity to go up in value, yep. right? You created you, it. You created equity, created money, which is what wealthy people constantly do is they create money, right? It, they don't yeah. work for it, they create it. And then and then you uh, refinanced it, took your money back out, got all of it back, plus profit, 
put a tenant inside of it who then paid you more profit every single month. And then as soon as I was done with that, I kept looking for more. Crazy, dude. Yeah. I love that game. repeat it. And then you repeated it. But Burr is so much cooler. <laughs> Mine was the 15-year formula. Like, boring, right? right? Yeah. And Burr, all I of like. us thought we had created, me, Jesse Rodriguez, and now you. I love All Jesse. thought we had created this concept. Yours was called the 15-year formula. Come to find out, it's just called Burr. It's all we're doing is called Burr. Wait, why? What? I don't even get to vote on this? Oh, I'm just, you can Google if you like to, but it's I'll, just, I'm calling Jesse right yeah, after this. It's all called, it's all called Burr. All right, bro. So knowing your audience is important. And uh, that's even a tenant side of it, which is knowing your audience there. Uh, okay, so let me, let me, I wanna shift gears a little bit. And the last M, we talk about the five M's. The last M we talk about is mission, right? And I always like to ask successful people, uh, whether they do something now or not, trying to get, not trying to get into the details what you proceed do, you can share whatever you like to share. But if, 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 if you had accomplished X amount of dollars, whatever it is, we, you call it, you, you refer to it as your word chest, your net worth sheet. And, and if you could fix or, or is there a cause or is there something that you would you would personally like to uh, help with, fix, cure? Is there any big mission that you see that may or may not come in your life but you would like to consider or maybe you're doing it now? One of the fears that I have had kind of throughout my life is that an opportunity like that would come across my desk. And, and unfortunately, the one that goes to my brain is like, a family member is gonna get really sick. Yeah. And, and that's something that, I, that I'm afraid of. And I look around and my siblings and the rest of my family, everybody's doing okay. They're doing, I mean, you know, fine. But something's gonna come around and, and there's gonna be a financial hit. And it's gonna come across my desk and I'm not gonna have the means to solve that problem. And sometimes it's life or death. Yeah. Other times it's just, you know, it's a really bad situation. And you start to look around and say, well, who's, I can't fix it. Who's gonna fix it? When that opportunity comes up now, I can say yes. You're ready. I can say yes. You're ready. And there's a lot of comfort in that. Dude, that's solid. And um, it, because I'm not big on the expensive things. Yeah. Like, I'm not fancy car guy, not any of that stuff. But I drive a pickup truck because I use it for the flips, but also like I'm the guy that likes to help people move. Yeah. Like I want to be there. I want to have the means and, and, my work and my studying of money and the money management we've done has given me not only the time to be able to go help people with stuff like that, or the finances to be able to go out and help people with that. So we do a lot of the little stuff. We donate to church and we've got some other charities and organizations, a lot of stuff for the kids' schools. Um, but when the big thing comes across my desk, I wanna be able to say yes. I always I always feel like when I interview people, it goes with mission, the word mission, meaning with money and mission, it goes down to three things. It either goes to faith, something faith-driven, family-driven, or foundation-driven, meaning like charities or whatever it is. As you mature, you grow up and, and you look at your mom. So yeah. Mom, whatever it is, I'll do anything for you. Right. And then later, when you moved out of the house, your siblings, you're like, all right, fine, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll be cool with you. So for me, it was that nucleus of my family. Yeah. And then since we've been out here in the desert, our, our church has become like, that sign a second level of friends. Yeah. But when you only have a couple of bucks, you're gonna keep it for your family. That's all you got. Right? Yeah. But then as the family grows and your ability to help and to give grows, yeah. then it can start with your nucleus and then go to your church and then go to your extended family and friends and then to the community. And the more successful and the more you can accumulate, if you wanna use that word, uh, then the more generous you can be across the board. I did a, a, an event with the Boys and Girls Club of Palm Springs a couple of months ago, and 
I mean, it was. I, I went in because I'm an okay speaker. I not right this second as I stutter. <laughs> <laughs> but I went into it like I'm just gonna have a good time. It's gonna be great. I was bawling. Really? And like the work that this organization was doing for like yeah. troubled kids in the community. And it was just like, what can I do? Like, and then yeah. there was a, a, like the live auction where you're raising your pal. I'm up front, <laughs> I'm supposed to be working and I'm like donating yes. and bidding on yes. stuff what or whatever. Is, I don't know, but yes. There are so many amazing organizations yeah. out there. And, but you, you get to the point where you're talking about, what's your word, the um, contributors? Yeah, contributors. They've got all their money in the 401k. And then the day they retire, like they're trying to spend, and they're afraid, they're they're afraid they're, afraid they're gonna run out of money. Yeah, and so it's hard for that person to be generous. What I'm trying to do is keep my snowball going. My net worth sheet, when when I really throttle back, should go up forever. Right. So I can continue without even breaking a sweat to contribute to my family and to my church and to organizations. And yeah, dude. Uh, so and I agree with you. I think you made a great point where you said it. it I grows. did make a great point. It was. It was a great point that yours sort of grew over time. It was yeah. family and that nucleus began to grow and grow. And for me, I think for a lot of people, it starts off with family. I was the same way, it was family driven. And then it was, for me, it moved into faith driven. Meaning I went to, uh, this this year, I went to, uh, I want to do something big and I was trying to push myself. And it's amazing because like when you do that boys and girls club, you begin to push yourself. And you, cause you see another side, right? And it's a side that when you're, when I was growing and maybe it was different for you, but when I was doing, making money and so forth, and I was just trying to get, God, just get the engine going and flip the houses and just like take care of my family side of it. You miss, I, I didn't pay attention to all the other stuff. Right. And I do this thing where we went to Honduras, we took the camera crew out there, we went to Honduras and we did a um, feeding a million orphans. So I, I said this thing, I said, okay, I want to feed a million orphans through this church thing. And, uh, and I said, what I'm gonna do is I wanna go see them. Cause I bet you if I see them, like you, you said, sure. when you actually put a face behind it, yeah. forget a video. I wanna go, I wanna go, I want them to go sit in my lap. I wanna go to their house, I wanna, whatever it is. And we went out there, dude, it was like, okay, for, I'll just do it now. Where do I, where do I pay now? Because I was like, I was like, I, was like, I wanna do this in a year. But then when you got there, it's like, why, why, they can't eat today? Okay, well, let's go fix this problem today, right, yeah. right now, yeah. right? Like, I found myself going to gas stations, buying here, take this, right? It was crazy, bro. And I think I think when you find successful people and they know what their mission is, it pushes them further. And, and the point that you made about when contributors almost tend to be greedy with their money, that's a tough word, I don't know. It's super defensive. Yeah, super defensive on their money. They want to get they, they they want to give it away, but because they don't even have enough for themselves, they're literally spend their whole life not even. They, it's a tricky subject, bro. Yeah, it's a tricky subject. But man. going back to like those charities, right? Yeah, there are people. I would also put like uh, nursery school and elementary school teachers in this category <laughs> okay. that are uniquely blessed to do what they do. They have a different set of skill set yep. than me. Yep. And they are people that can go out <clears throat> into the community or into the world and literally change it. Yep. And all they need is some money or some tools or some food or whatever it is. And I don't have that same level of patience to like yeah. hang out with nursery school kids. Yeah. Not even my own sometimes. <laughs> but I have been blessed with the ability to make lots of money. And so so what I can do is focus on what I'm good at. Your strength. And then I can donate that money to those 
saints of people yep. who go out and actually use the resources that are given to them to go out and change the world. We all have different gifts, right? That's what you're hitting right there. We all have different Well, because I could go out and try to like but I would do never. the boots on the ground, but that's not what I, that's not my gift. Yeah, no, 100% right, dude. Everybody, we had this conversation in the videos when you see these people and I thought to myself, I interviewed the, the owner of this uh, foundation down there and it was like, I could never be there. He lived there. He just left America, went there. It was in Honduras, so that's where I was at. Moved there, bought a house there, and has spent his whole life helping give this stuff away, right? And I think, dude, we have two different skill sets, which you're hitting on that. We, sure. He he would be, he could, he built something that I could never build because of his skill set. But my skill set was making money. Now it becomes a tool of what you can go do with it, right? So awesome points, man. Um, okay, so this is the, the the making of money, the mission of money here. Uh, I want to do one thing. We're gonna we're gonna shift gears here. Uh, I got a couple more things I want to talk to you about, but I we got you a gift, okay? And and we're gonna we're is gonna. Is it a whale? It's the whale. It's a large whale. Oh, very large whale. So I I always buy all. I always get all the interviewers. Uh, let me get the cameras ready. Hold on, just a second. We cannot miss this. It's so valuable. <laughs> Such valuable film footage. You gonna do the gimbal on it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Left hand or right hand? Left hand or right hand? It's a good side. The other side, so you can walk them backwards. It's hired help, it's not. Okay, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> more of a, what do they call them when you get, uh, what do they call that when you get, oh, temp, temp agent stuff. It's, it's, <laughs> you should be able to fire her and get a new one in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Kidding. Kidding. How long are you guys here? Just today. I leave tomorrow. I get, I'm shooting Dean. You go to the steakhouse? I went to Harris on the way down here. Oh, the steakhouse here. Uh, is it dope? Yeah, my, uh, I don't know who she is. She's Lindsay's brother's girlfriend. Lindsay's brother's. Girlfriend. So if you watch the show in season one and season two, there was Uncle Mike. Yeah. He wasn't in season three, um, but it's his girlfriend. She's that works there? Yeah. That's good. All right, here we go. You ready, V? You got it? Yes, I've got no lines. Okay, no lines. Here we go. From the top, cup nine. All right, so this is a gift. We get all the all the Thank different you. ones. I had to research this to figure out what would be best for Eric at Desert Flippers. Wait, 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 wait. You want me to go right here? That's fine. I'm like... I'm the guy that doesn't like the attention. On I know, his dude. I hate it too. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'll open it later. Yeah. <laughs> and the ones that I hate is my birthday a couple days ago, and I hate when people give me cards. You ever I mean, when you're with a group, and they give you a card, and you're like, do I open it? Do I read this yeah, out loud? Yeah. What to do? Like, yeah. And it's like sentimental, like in depth. And I'm so awkward around cards. Like I just, I'll move it. You good, G? I'll move it because I don't like the card. So I feel your pain, but it's irrelevant. Is there a card? No card. All right, I appreciate no card, that. Dude, no card. All right. The other thing is like, do I preserve the paper? <laughs> I look at me like, Lindsay would like this wrapping job. All right, you so, got to throw it out. Okay, Let's here we go. Out. Nice. Hold on. Hold on. Dude, I hope you, uh, this should be a good yes. one for you, bro. So that's a signed Brett Favre Number four. Sim, bro. Dude, that thank him. you. Him or Reggie White. Those are your Either two. one would have been fantastic, <laughs> or, uh, man. What's, that that, what's the linebacker that's there now? The long-haired dude. Um, He's not there. Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews, he left, He right? moved out here to be close to me. He's playing yeah. for the Rams now. There you dude, go, bro. thank you. Fantastic. So that's, a, that's a pretty dope 
Uh, I'm like, did I wash my hands recently? Yeah. So the authentic, the certificate yeah. in here as well. And then it's got the little sticker hey, there. You put the uh, the little. It's in here somewhere. I, I, I put a lot of tissue. Oh, here it is. So that's actually the actual. Dude, amazing. Certificate that you guys can give to your boys. Thank I you. Think, I, think I will not give one. this to the boys. No, I don't have anything like this. Believe it or not, I joke a lot about putting sports memorabilia on display. Because yeah. Lindsay's like super anti. Yeah. But I've got the office in the house and I can. Uh, so there you go, bro. There. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. What are we doing? There you go. There's a lot of cameras, guys. Yeah, right? Take this one right here. You got a G? You're good? All right. Man, awesome. So Thank I get us you. a little little mental break there for you. Uh through it. Okay. Last little I got I got one little session here, and then the last one's a little this or that, which is quick. Uh these would be some insightful questions to help other people getting started. Okay? So we're gonna talk about let's go back in time here. Um what would you tell your 20-year-old self, right? What would you, someone, a young person getting started right now, they're, they just got out of high school, or sometimes in class there's people that are in high school. That, uh, this last week there was a 14 year old at your event, a 14 year old kid was at the event and freaking, I couldn't believe it, caught on to everything, super intelligent kid. What would you tell your 20 year old self right now, knowing what you know now? Well, I love that. Um, there are different schools of thought, okay? And not all education is taught in school. Right. So pick up a book, get a diversified background on, on a lot of things. But most importantly, I think for the millennial generation, young people, etc., delay the satisfaction. Delay the satisfaction. So so much of what people do is I wanna go to like I wanna go to work, get a paycheck so I can buy something. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's their whole mindset. And what Lindsay and I have done, one of the big things that has made us successful is, no, we're not gonna spend money on that right now. No, I'm not gonna have a car payment. I'm gonna drive the beater. Like we push so much of the satisfaction down the road. We sacrifice. Yeah. We stole from the movie Transformers, uh, no sacrifice, no victory. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's our quote. I actually have it on my personal checks. Wow. No sacrifice, no victory. So we would delay the satisfaction in a lot of things. And I think kids look at things saying, well, my friend's got a nice car or yeah. my friend has a nice watch or they have the best video games or whatever it might be. I don't know what 20 year olds are into right now, except Pokemon, Pokemon Go, Go, which I'm still playing. <laughs> um, but when you can delay that a little bit, then you can save money. You can use that money to either be investing or to prevent you from going deeply into debt. Yeah. Pay for your college without getting student loans. Like all of these things can be done if you're willing to delay some of the satisfaction now. And I guess I would go back to 20 year old Eric and I would say, nice job, buddy. Like delay the satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, because it's so true, brother. So many people, I was with Gary V, uh, Vaynerchuk, if you follow him or not yeah. at all, but I interviewed him, same thing interview, bro. And, and his whole thing was he's like, people buy dumb shit. He's like, people buy stuff for the sole purpose of impressing someone else. It's like what we do the generation yeah. now. It's like, I have to have this, not even so much because I want it, but because I want you to know that I have it. And he, it, his big thing was he said, money is a revealer. It reveals who you are basically, like a character revealer, right? So if, if, if you get money, 
what you do with it, it's not going to change what you do with it. It's going to reveal what you know about it, basically, right? And I think it was so true. And, and now with social media exploding, now it's like we have to uh, document what we're doing to prove to someone else that what we have, right? Yeah. And it is a, it's a, almost a fake world that we're getting into that's deeper, right? And there's no, there's no delay. We live in an instant satisfaction world, man. So delaying, delaying satisfaction is your advice back to your 20 year old self. Yeah, also, I mean, when you start looking at budget type stuff, and you need to realize that the entire world is against you. Yeah. Every every corporation business out there is trying to take money out of your wallet. That net worth sheet that you have. They Absolutely. To touch your net worth sheet. Oh, which yeah. Is why you're like, nope, this is. Do this. you know what a Prada purse, or is that in Prada yeah, disperses? Yeah, sure. Gucci, I have no clue. But what that would do to the net worth sheet, yeah. it destroys it. So you're not going to count a Gucci purse as an asset. I would not. <laughs> I would not. Or the depreciation yeah. of, of driving a brand new car off the lot. Yeah. Oof. $30,000 either gets added as a liability or it comes out of the account if you're able to pay cash Bro, for I just it. had a buddy of mine. Uh, Do you hear me? I'm in a brand new car, 30 grand. <laughs> like, when was well, that? Was, 10 well, years ago? I thought of this. was my buddy of mine had a Range Rover. Uh-huh. He bought it brand new, Range Rover. Uh, drove it off the lot. Uh, about a year and a half later, he went to turn it into and he wanted to get a Tesla. So he's like, hey, I'm going to turn my Range Rover in and get a Tesla. He was $35,000 upside down on his Range Rover. So what did he do? Wrote a check for $35,000 and then bought a Tesla, which again, as soon as he drove it off the, like he was having a conversation, he was like, oh my God, it was so stupid. I had to pay 35,000. I'm like, well, did you do it? He's like, yeah, I went ahead and did it. I'm like, well, did you get the Tesla? Yeah, I got the Tesla. I'm like, you understand you just did the exact same thing again, bro. But. It's the world that we live in. For but when so you're 20 people. years old, yeah, and you and you're probably not, hopefully, not going to make a thirty-five thousand dollar mistake like that. But when you make one or two bad moves early on, it can set you back. You're digging out of that hole for years. Yeah, student loans is probably the most common one right now, where if somebody wants to go to an extra expensive college, they rack up all the student loan debt. Boom, you hit the ground running. You might even have a decent job, but you got to claw your way out of the student loans. Yeah. So to, to try to avoid some of those pitfalls early on can set you up for success. I read an article that said uh, the United States government's uh, number one asset right now is student loans. Wow. That's how much, because you know the government recently took over like 2000, uh, it was 2000 maybe 12, 2011 or 12, they voted for it. And the government took over student loans, which used to be private thing, now the government does it. The number one asset we have in America is our student loan program, which just means, think about that, how many kids are going through starting their career, their future off at $100,000 in the hole, yeah. day one, out of the gate. It's crazy, bro. Well, and the crazy thing is, if you are the, if you're the government and you're looking at this saying, all right, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money out there. Interest rates are okay. What's the collateral? Like, what, what's the collateral here if, if these loans all go south? Nothing. 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 There's no house. You can't repo it. You can't rent it out. You can't do it. You. Maybe I guess they say you. No, but it's not. You know what I mean? But there's, there's no, no hard class. asset, right? There's right. No, there's nothing there that you can say, well, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to uh, cash even a car, which isn't even an asset. But at least you could say, I'm going to repo the car sure. and sell it. There's nothing, bro. It's air. It, I guess what's up here is will be the asset, you know? 
There's nothing that they could sell or collateralize against that debt right there, but it's our, it's our number one asset. Okay, well, last what point. we can cheer for, right? On the other side of it, looking at us as US taxpayers, is say, all right, well, that's kind of scary as a creditor that we have no collateral. That's terrifying. But if we can cheer and help educate and help minimize the student loan debt that people are in, let's help them blossom and be more successful, pay off that debt, and then accelerate their wealth and their yeah. future and their careers. And maybe there's a, a, a silver lining. I hope so, somewhere. <laughs> I'm looking for it. I'm looking for I'm it. Looking all, all over. All right, last question. If you were to, uh, someone's getting started right now. Uh, they're trying to get, forget their age, but they're getting started. They don't have a lot of money. They're just trying to get their foot in the door right now in, in investing, whether it be real estate or anything else, uh, understanding money. What would you tell that person to go do right now? Starting from scratch. <sighs> The first thing that I, that came into my mind was go out and try and find me deals. Like legit find me deals. Yeah. I'll do the deals and I'll pay you for it. Because you're going to get right? paid off of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Paying. And they're going to learn while they're doing it too. The problem is people will waste time because they don't know what to look for. Yeah. So in order to go out and find deals, because that's what I want to do. I always want to get in on the deal, right? Right, right. Well, no professional flipper or investor is going to let you into the deal if you don't have anything to offer. But if you have the deal, hey, buddy, come yeah, on, yeah. You and me, buddy, Very every popular. deal we have like this, we're gonna do it. I'll bring in the money. You have to do nothing. Yep. You brought the deal, we're gonna have. So for somebody starting out, I, I say you need to broaden your education about any areas of money that you can get your hands into. Unfortunately, people are starting at with very rudimentary understanding of finance. It is shockingly mistaught, or not taught at all, yeah. in our education system. So we need to build up that foundation a little bit. But then if it wants, if you want to be real estate focused, then you need to get around real estate people. You need to ask real estate questions. You need to figure out what a good deal is. Yeah. And then if you're able to identify the deals, partner up with a couple investors, you do the first five to 10 with that investor and then you spread your wings and go out on your own. I love the point, man. It, Cause your, your brain is thinking like so logical and practical, like bring me a deal and you'll make money, right? Very, very If practical. you want in on the deal, you have yeah. to find the deal cause you don't have anything else. You have nothing You don't have any money. Right? right. You might not have your real estate You don't know license. how to flip it. You don't know how to rehab it. You don't even know what to do in the rehab. You don't know how much it's gonna cost, right? Well, and that's one of the hard things is you get a bunch of contractors yeah. or handymen or I lay tile and I, since I can do the tile work for free, I can flip. Right. And then they buy it too high, they structure it wrong, it becomes a nightmare. Oh. So you want to get to, you know, the apprentice status. Yeah. But being able to identify deals will open the door to any investor anywhere. Because it's the hardest thing to do. I think that's a great point, which the point was though, a lot of times they try that but waste all their time. Well, because they don't know how to find the deal. No or they have no idea what they for. They might find the deal but they don't know how to identify it. Yeah. So they like, is this a good deal or isn't it a good deal? As soon as you can solve that and you can put boots on the ground and go start looking at deals, well, then you're on to something. Now, now we can talk. Cause I, I used to have, when I was in Atlanta doing tons of deals, I would have all these people same thing. Hey, hey, you're doing deals, let me bring you stuff. And they would bring me random, random houses. Yeah. I'm like, bro, we're not even, I've officially wasted my time right now. Because we're not even remotely close to where they're like, what's the corner lot? Okay, but that has nothing. I mean, that's like so far down the list of what I'd be looking for on my list right now, you know? And, it's, and, and what happened was they waste 
hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks until eventually they say it's not worth it. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't it's not worth work. it. Yeah. And you're, you're looking for the wrong thing. I think your great point there, two points you made, which was A, bring, bring an investor the deal. Before you do that, figure out what you're looking for. Understand yeah. the metrics of that house. Understand the, the ARV and the loan to value that you're looking for so that when you bring the deal, like you said, when you bring the, the investor the deal, you become buddy status. Oh, no question. Like that. Yeah. Like that. Like you cut through all the weeds quickly. Be, being on TV, I get a lot of people that reach out to me via email or social media yeah. or even they'll call me. And it, it starts out like this. All right, there's this great property. needs a ton of work. <laughs> and they start listing 50 things before they get to price. Yeah. And if I have to ask, what's the price? I know it's not a good deal. Yeah. It's when somebody comes to me and says, there's this property, it's at about 50% of what the ARV would be. I think if you put it in there, there's 25, 30% upside. All right, now I know somebody's done their homework. I'm gonna take this call or this email seriously, and I'm gonna start doing some research and double check it. It's almost like you're speaking the lingo, right? Yeah. When you start talking about 50% ARV, you talk about 75% LTV of ARV or 70% of ARV, the numbers, the language starts to make sense to us. And we're, and again, because if they don't, if they know what they're doing and they give us, here's the address, here's the purchase price, here's the after repair value, here's the rehab budget that I think, right, could be off. I don't know. You got to figure that out. And here's the uh, uh, ARV of the property. Yeah. That's actually all I need. I actually don't need a whole list of what you would do to it in great detail because I, as a flipper, I've got to go figure that out myself, right? When somebody talks to you with the lingo, yeah, that's somebody you say, listen, I really appreciate you did some homework. You're looking for deals. You want to partner up with yeah. me. This isn't the right deal. And here's why. And if you find something that's that meets these criteria, then we're going to do our first deal together. Yeah. And then that's like it rewards them for their time and for what they did, gives them more direction moving forward yep. and something to shoot for. Love it, bro. I've been on Wipeout. No, you haven't. Yep. I got a minute 15 on Wipeout. No, you have, dude. Oh, my yeah, family, dude. When that first yeah. came out, my dad's like, sit down, we're all watching the show. And it was Wipeout. He loved, yeah. we used to live at Fourth of night. July episode, like, no way, bro. Ago, maybe. Did you, you had to apply for it? I'm assuming you applied for oh, it, yeah. still, right? Like, I had to, like, I auditioned and yeah, the whole thing. I was Mr. Baseball uh, July 4th a few years ago. And I got my <laughs> Where'd you lose it at? Where, what everywhere, it? everywhere. Because wipeout was the one that so the very first and had the big round bouncy balls. You had to run the, across the red balls. Yeah. Okay. So like the idea is you gotta at least like jump on them, like try and make it happen. So I got destroyed on the first like three obstacles, and I was so fatigued. I had the flu two days before. <laughs> dude, I'm just cat. God, dude. And, and they tell you, I don't know how to tell the story, but like to get up to the big boss you've got to go up a ramp and it goes up and then it turns and i'm legit like no doing it get up and they the tell you you have to run like run and jump and do your thing and i remember walking up and as i turn the corner i see this big circle in the ground like on the ramp and i and and i'm just there's just nothing there in your brain and so i'm just walking walking i get to the end and the circle becomes the motivator, which is the huge arm that pops up and slams you in the back. And so it hit me and my, I'm like this, oh, and they freeze framed it oh, on God. the episode. I'm like, eh. Yeah. And then it like flaps me down and I like barely just reach out and touch <laughs> a red ball. Yeah, we're gonna need to find a copy of that. Photo. And so now every time I go to Target, 
and they've got the big balls, and yeah. like, I'll lay down and like get a picture, <laughs> like reach it out. So the red close. balls. So yeah. So you went under the red balls, the big word balls. Yeah, no, I got all my, water underneath it, right? Yeah, cold, and Dude. you're really high up. Where did they shoot that at? It's what? up in a pass, like. Uh, in Southern California. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, and I could uh, show it on a map, but I don't remember. It's some guy's farm. That's so cool, dude. That was a great that. TV show. And then I was on Wheel of Fortune. What? Yeah, I won eight grand on Wheel. Bro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me think here, Wheel of Fortune with, uh, what's that guy's Pat name? Pat Sajak and uh, Dana Pat White. Sajak on the forever, right? And you, yeah. Uh, just you or awesome. you and your wife run that one? No, I was on. Thank I tried you. to buy a U, which they will put on my tombstone, my family will. And, uh, and I mess up now. I'm a pizza guy, right? Okay. The puzzle was pizza topped with pineapple. So the lady next to me, after I screwed up buying a U, said, P, there are six P's. Oh, God. What the six, six P's? <laughs> and she gets it, and then Pat walks by me, and he's got a cue card in his hand, and it says Oahu. And it's all Lindsay wanted. Because like I said, as soon as we make money, I put that over in the war chest. Yeah. She didn't care if I made a penny. Yeah. If I made a million dollars, all she wanted was the trip. And I screwed, I had control of the board. I screwed it up trying to buy a U. And I looked up, I saw the card and I looked up at Lindsay in the stands. I'm like, oh my <laughs> Sorry, God, honey. So <laughs> Sorry, honey. She went with a P. Six P's. That's brutal, dude. All right, this or that, here we go. Quick answers. Uh, this is, which one of these do you do? The okay. square root of two. All right, that's, that's a very good answer. Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, are you a person that gets up early or stays up late? I get up early. Get up early, what time? I wake up at four to go to the gym at 5.15 so that I can come back, help the kids get ready for school. Wow, you're early, early. But that explains why in my office there is a couch. Because <laughs> like 8.30, right. 9 o'clock in the morning is already nap Power time. Nap. Yeah. All right, beach vacation, mountain vacation? Mountain vacation. Mountain vacation. Um, Lindsay would say the beach vacation. She okay. loves the beach. All right. I don't tan Yeah, well. we don't, me and you, we're not, um, we're not tan. So I like the beach, but more than the, the mountain. Yeah. Uh, I said beach. I didn't mean beach. I meant mountain. We're lake people. Lake people. So boating and yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Starbucks or Dunkin'? Uh, I think Dunkin' has better food. Okay. And I'm not a huge coffee guy. Not a not a coffee guy. No, I'm, I'm an energy either. drink guy. I love them, bro. So, love them. All right. What's your energy drink of choice? Uh, the Ultra Zero Monster. The Ultra Zero Monster. Yeah, it's the white can. Inch? Yeah, yeah, the white one with the the. the but okay, so you're not going to believe this because I just told you that I was on Wipeout, and then yeah. before that Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. I used to drive the funny red car for Red Bull, like the the Red Bull, the promotional car. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a little car, and it had the big can on yeah, the, the back of it. it yeah, angle. that was like my summer job. You drove that. I drove that all summer. <laughs> so you get it, you gas it up, and you drive around, and you just don't hand it out to people. You're like. You look like you need some energy. You need some energy? Let me tell you about the B vitamins and the uh, wow. the taurine and the glucuronolactone. Wow, it's still coming back. Wow. So yeah, I was that guy. You drove the Red Bull car yeah. for a living. I was a Red Bull associate. <laughs> I don't a remember partner. what the title was. I don't See, remember what the title was. I'm a Red Bull drinker. It was like energy provider. Uh, that was your business card, right? Something like <laughs> that. Uh, I'm not a monster guy, dude. The monsters to me have too much... Uh, well, the low ones, the zero, that's a zero, the yeah. ones you drink. Yeah. But those green ones to me have like oh. so much sugar it's or something. It's like dirt. drinking like maple syrup. <laughs> the TV show, the movie, the movie with uh, Paul Rudd, Role Models. Do you ever see Role Models? I don't know they have the mon and they're like peeing green. 
It's because they drink so much. They they were the guys that drove the car around giving it away. It was you. Oh, you got to wow. watch the show, I dude. I can see that. It's called Role Models. So freaking funny. It was Paul Rudd and one more guy. Um, who? Yeah, Sean, oh, Sean Scott with uh, from American Pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, if you've never seen that movie, because it, it was you, they would drive the vehicle around giving out free drinks to yeah. everybody. Dude, great show. All right. Uh, lefty or righty? Um, well, it depends. Okay. All right. Mostly righty. I brush my teeth left hands. Wow. I just decided one day left that, that I was going to do that. Interesting thing, though. There is a, a group out here called uh, Coachella Valley Leadership. Yep. That's like our, our community. And they go around and learn all about the valley. And we're in this group of like up and coming members of the community, learning about the community, et cetera. And we were doing this um, kind of interactive game together. And we all circled up and it was supposed to be like this thought provoking thing. And they're like, <laughs> what's the, the rarest thing that we all have in common? And I'm like, we're all right-handed. Just because of like the way that the group was, all right. it wasn't very artsy, it was very like business oriented and you know, public utilities and government, et cetera. And I just looked at these 30 people, I said, we're all right-handed. And it was, that was it. You were right. And that was the end of the conversation. I totally ruined the entire <laughs> exercise like the for everybody. Yeah, I was like, well, what are we gonna do now? So who's got the donuts? Right, yeah, are we gonna go to Dunkin' or Starbucks? Wow, all right, uh, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, uh, you know, Diet Coke. Diet Coke, Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Yeah. Do you like the the, the new flavors they came out with? Like the sometimes we'll go. Or, yeah, uh, sometimes we'll go to the place that has like the mixing machine. Yeah. yeah. And then I mean, all bets are off. Oh, and our yeah. kids, they're just, they're just trying to gross you out. So yeah. Like the cherry and the orange and the vanilla and whatever. It's actually beer. a great combo right there. <laughs> all and, mixed. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think I know this one. Introvert or extrovert? So that's an interesting question. I'm really an extrovert. Okay. Lindsay tends to be a little bit on the introvert side. Okay. And so it kind of depends. Sometimes I'm trying to pull her out to be an extrovert and she can really shine. Right. And other times we like hole up in, in our little cave. So it depends on if you guys are together, it depends on which one. If it's just you. Extrovert. Just extrovert. Yeah. yeah you're an outgoing, you're a big personality, bro. It's just fun. Yeah, you, you know? love life. It started very young. My mom would stand behind, like, I don't even think they had kitchen islands back then, yeah. but like would stand there, and she still does to this day. When people are on, she's on stage, in her element, in the kitchen, making food, like kind of holding court, if you will. Right. And uh, I grew up just kind of watching that, and now that's that's me. That's you. I'm talking with my hand. My, my mom does like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. <laughs> Sorry, mom. But like animated yeah. and, and over just, the top because i like to share yeah. i like to share stories i like to hear stories do you just, i find myself i'm an extrovert do you find yourself i love to share food and it, not not my food don't get me wrong i'm sorry i'm sorry not my food when i find good food or restaurants i just enjoy taking some out to eat and say sure. you've got to try this hamburger or you got to try this steak or fish whatever it is i find so much fulfillment in taking like, i have my team that travels with me mm -hmm. And I will take them to like to the the best restaurants, and then I'll or, at this point they don't even order. They just say, "Just get me whatever you want, Drew." And I and I'm like, "Dude, trust me, this is the best. I promise." Are you a food sharer? Like, do you like you just did to me the restaurant here? Yeah. You're like, "Oh, dude, this restaurant over here." Do you enjoy? Is that something that you enjoy as an extrovert? You tell me you think your mom kitchen. Is that your thing? Yeah, I mean, I. Or is that just my weird own my? I'm yeah, you're weird. weird. You're, okay. you're definitely Cut very part. Um. No, I, in a similar fashion like movies. Okay. And, and comedy is probably the closest thing I would get to. All right. And 
if I've seen a movie or I've seen a, a, a comedian up there, but then I'm sitting there and I'm watching. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> and then they like look at their phone. I'm like, put your phone down. <laughs> How dare Dude, you? Let me, I gotta rewind it. <laughs> you know? Watch it again. Yes. And then if Dude, they don't it. laugh, and maybe you've had the same experience with I food. Have it. I'm telling you. This is so good. And you're like, I don't care for it. Yeah. What do you mean you don't care like, for I'm it? I'm gonna karate chop you the throat. Yes. That's what I'm gonna do right you now. You have no taste buds. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Who are you? You mentioned sharing food. Lindsay and I's first date, we order and you know, I'm a dude yeah. and, and I'm not refined or anything. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, the food's here. I'm gonna put the napkin right where it goes. <laughs> and then, okay, what fork do I uh, use? And I look and there is a human hand in my food. Like I look down and there is a full lot. It's Lindsay's. Okay. She's like going across the table to take the best bites of yeah. my meal before yeah. I've even. And I'm like, what? All bets off. But she will talk about utility value. And for her utility value is the first bite of the food tastes the best because you're the hungriest. So she always eats the first bite or the best bite first okay and i was always taught choke down the green beans and like <laughs> save the good stuff for last yes, and it has created this thing because as she's stealing the best bites from me i'm yeah. just trying to like quarantine off some yeah so that at the end there's I've something got, left for you and the broccoli there's something left for you right and now i just she orders two things and wow dude that's, but she'll also be risky like I get the conservative, I know that this is, I know the steak and potatoes are gonna be finished. So that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a filet mignon. But then she's gonna order something weird, yeah, not so like it, Mediter and then eat Mediterranean mine. plate of something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot. People that go to a steakhouse and order fish, yeah, <laughs> should get be out. dragged down to the street and shot. Get out, leave. Yeah, it bothers me. Go it to it. It bothers me. Save the whales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mac or PC? PC. Although I love my iPhone. Wow. Oh, wow. You're caught in the middle. Yeah. You're a iPhone guy with a PC. Right. I don't know how that even works. That's just, that's impressive. Thanks. It's one of my skills that I didn't know I had <laughs> until just now. It is skills. All right. Save or invest? Save or an investor? That's a tough uh, okay. one. I mean, both. Yeah. Um, do, you tend to, do you find yourself saving more or investing more? What I've been doing for so long is just making money. Yeah. Like I make it and then it comes in and then I either invest it in another property or it just sits there until the right deal comes along. Yeah. Um, but there are people and I admire this and I want to be more like this where as, as a family or as a couple or even as an individual with like an accountability partner, they crave that investing, mm -hmm. right? And it might be like, okay, this month, I'm gonna buy this stock, or this month, I'm gonna invest in this real estate deal, or this month, I'm gonna do this. And they're on fire for the investing. And I've been so busy making money that I actually have a fairly large pile of it <laughs> under my mattress. Yeah. No. Uh, Address one, two, three. Right, exactly right. Um, that needs to be deployed. Yeah. And so that's kind of a fun thing. Lindsay teases me because when all of our money is in, especially in real estate investments, I freak out and I'm like, ah, like the market's gonna go down and something's gonna happen. Finish those renovations <laughs> and sell, sell, sell. And then we sell everything and have a pile of money. We're like, this money's sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> We're not making it. We're not, this, the inflation is eating away like termites. Yeah. And then we, and so what I'm saying is I've got psychological problems. Yeah. So bipolar, what's your thoughts on it? Um, I am for and against. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
luxury car or sports car? Neither. Neither. No. Neither. You're a pickup truck. Pickup truck guy. Now, what do you drive? What kind of pickup truck do you have? I have a four-door F-150. I retired my dad several years ago. And it was one of my dreams that I wanted to do, right? And I bought him. One of the part of the thing I want to do is buy him any truck he wanted or any car that he wanted, sure. right? My mom got a Cadillac. That's what she wanted. I took my dad to the car dealership. I said, Dad, any car you want, bro, for retirement. Four-door F-150. Yeah. Right? I got him. I made him get the limited edition. Okay. Because he wanted the XLT. This is like the right above the, the like the tradesman one, basically. Sure. And, uh, uh, but that's what he drove to. Any car you wanted, he got a four-door F-150, oh, which is awesome. a great truck. I barred on to say probably the best truck out there is the four-door F-150, man. It's a really nice ride. The leg room in the back seat is astonishing. Yeah. Astonishing. Well, because I can get my three kids across. Yeah. We actually still put groceries in the yes. back, and then I still have the bed. The cat, the whole bed, the bed. Yeah, it's an incredible truck. Incredible truck. All right. Uh, uh, books or movies? Movies. Yeah. I feel like I'm disappointing my high school like English teachers. Yeah. Like, I hope you're not watching. Um, no, I love the movies. Unfortunately, or not, maybe fortunately, I'm being, I, I'm being able to go through my childhood again through the eyes of my kids. Yeah. And so I'm trying to do the right thing and like push books. Like you can watch that movie after, after you've read the, the book. book. But life comes full circle. I'm driving down the street the other day and I hear, slug bug, bam. And I'm like, what? When do we start playing this game? I haven't played that in 20 years. Yeah. And it just comes up. So I start now throwing out the circle game. Yeah. And uh, I mean, all kinds yeah. of fun stuff. Legos are back. And Do you remember Book It Club? Where'd yeah. Book It Club. The I Pizza was, Hut? The Pizza Hut yeah. Book It Club, bro. <laughs> when you started talking about book yes. reading, I forgot about that until oh, you dude. just said that. I have never forgot about that personal book pan pizza. Book It Club, pizza. personal pan pizza. And when you were poor, that was money, dude. dude. That was the best. That was now. Could like, you get it more than once? I felt like it was a like one time. I think it was like a, a one time thing where you could do it. But I lived for that book at club. Yeah. When I got and I got the personal pan pizza, yeah. dude, all to myself, dude. That was a. That they was cut a, it into fours. Well, that was a highlight, oh. dude. A highlight of my life, man. Dude, let's go do that right and now. And you said you're a pizza guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I can't. I uh, you're from Wisconsin, which has incredible pizza, which they is underrated pizza. because they have that uh, the cheese. They have the, they put a different type of cheese on it, I think. They have I was, every kind of cheese. I was reading something, yeah, Wisconsin, of course, but they, they maybe it was heavy, I can't remember what it was, but they was, they're heavy on something, but I'm from Chicago. Uh, you travel a lot. Are you thin crust or deep dish? Depends on if Lindsay's around or not. It's <laughs> <laughs> like your whole life revolves around I mean, she, well, she, Here's the thing, Lindsay influences my life for the best. Yeah, sure. So would I love to eat deep dish and whatever yeah. every chance I got yeah yeah will I live 20 years longer no following what <laughs> Lindsay says probably yeah see so with Lindsay it's the thin crust with the with the veggies when she's not looking with the veggies and the yeah fruit, exactly right right the pineapple exactly and, right. The, and the green olives when she's not around it's the deep dish yeah and there are times where it's like I want something that tastes like pizza yeah but then I've also like the buffalo chicken or excuse me not buffalo chicken, barbecue chicken. Thank yeah. you. Um, and then there's one out here that we like that I don't know who this guy named Steve is, but <laughs> there's a thing called Chef Steve's Special. Yeah. And it's like pesto yeah. with uh, like an Italian sausage, caramelized onions, so that uh, weird I think stuff gets goat good cheese. On pizza, dude. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, there's you, nothing bad on pizza. Yeah. We, people, people 
put pineapple on it, which I'm just completely against. Are you rubbing this in my face? I'm You're just, bringing back the wheel. Pizza top with pineapple? Wow. <laughs> completely wow. against. But yeah, dude, pizza is, is uh, dude, that's some, there's some, you have the weird ones, like the like the pesto, which sometimes you just crave. Yeah. The barbecue chicken. There's the buffalo chicken one. This is weird. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I shouldn't say this. Sometimes, maybe like once a year, I will crave CC's pizza. Do you ever had CC's pizza? Is that the like buffet style? All you can eat buffet yeah, for like, like five shakies. bucks. Yeah. And, and where I'm from in the South, it was huge. So every like school activity, they're like, oh, you guys, you guys sold 10 billion candy bars. We're going to take you to CC's. It's like, that's $5, okay? <laughs> and then you get like $3 if you bring the bus in, right? And but sometimes that I will just crave a CC's cheap, cheap, horrible, horrible pizza. Another one that I crave, Little Caesars. Yeah. Dude. Do you crave it while you're like halfway through? No. It's like the first no. couple of bites, I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, no. No, stop Who eating. did this to me? Yeah. But the $5 pizza at Little Caesars, because in college, that was my jam. Oh, sure. Date night was $5 Little Caesar night, bro. Ours was, uh, there's a, a smaller company called Toppers in the Midwest. Yeah. And they have a triple order of breadsticks. And when I was a freshman in college, it was $5.99 with Wisconsin sales tax was $6.32. Yep, you you knew, because when you're broke, that's what you did. Oh yeah, that's I mean, it was, did. can we scrape this guy? And I felt so bad. I wish I could find the delivery guy. <laughs> because the guy made a 68 cent tip <laughs> yeah. most days. God, dude, and so bad. It really is. That's, this reminds me of my days on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I always like new words. We get, we get a lot of freedom. Well, freedom and time, I think, would probably be in the in the same vein there Very because close. what money is allowing me to do mm -hmm. is to decide how I spend my time. Yeah. There's no boss with a thumb on me that says, you're going to punch in at eight, you're going to leave at five. Right. Or somebody saying, you can't help that organization or you can't take that trip or you can't, your kids can't go to that school or they can't do this stuff. I get to decide where we go, what we do. We're, we're taking the RV trip yep. back to Wisconsin. Might be a good idea, might be a bad idea. We'll, right. we'll see. The point is you get to figure it out though. Right? We're gonna take that time because yeah. we have sacrificed for many years. We've been smart with managing our money, making money, accumulating, investing, et cetera, so that we get to decide what to do with our time. Love it, bro, love it. Get a photo, hold this side right here. Dude, I think you're crushing it, bro. This is really, really good. I'm having fun. I'm gonna pee. Go ahead, you guys do your thing. On that side. No, leave the mic on, bro. Okay. Leave it for sure. Leave it on. Don't. We're gonna record it and then we'll play this in class. Wow. Wow. <laughs>